If you're looking for inspiration and challenge in the world of early years and Key Stage 1 education, then you've just found it. Welcome to the Early Excellence Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome along to episode 28 of the Early Excellence Podcast. My name is Andy Burt. I work for Early Excellence as a curriculum consultant. I hope you had a lovely break over Easter and you managed to enjoy the sunshine and had a good rest and that you've had a good start to the summer term as well. Now, this week, we're going to be talking all about subject leadership in schools because it's vitally important that subject leaders don't just have an understanding of their subject from Key Stage 1 onwards, but actually that, that understanding of their subject is also related to EYFS practice as well. So we're thinking about the subject leaders and how how they know about those key principles of the EYFS, the curriculum and assessment and the practice also. Now, because we know that lots of schools are working on this at the moment, the idea of a whole school approach to subject leadership. We've put together an online program of webinars and support materials specifically for subject leaders so that we can develop that whole school approach. Um, Now, if you want to know more, we will put more information in the podcast information for you. So you can just click on it and go straight to it and find out more about that program, the subject leadership program. Okay, now for this week's podcast, I talked to my colleague, Phil Armstrong, who delivers that subject leadership program. Phil is our head of regional development in the South and also on international work as well. Um, In terms of the conversation that I have with Phil, we have a really interesting conversation covering all sorts of things from leading in the EYFS to that whole school approach to the curriculum. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. Here you go. Hello, Phil. How are you? I'm very well, Andy. Thank you very much. Hello from the south here, from a windy Reading. <laughs> see, that, that is the ridiculous thing, isn't it? Although we are in the same team, we don't actually see each other face to face that often, do we? Very rarely. One of those things, always via uh, Teams or Zoom or something similar. Yes, but, you, but you're okay. Well, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Um, so we're going to be talking all about, uh, really about leading in, in lots of different ways, aren't we? We're going to be talking all about leading in terms of the EYFS, which of course is a, a clearly very important role and, and quite a difficult, challenging role. And then moving on from that, talking about leadership really across the school in different ways as well. So thinking about subject leaders particularly and thinking about the role of subject leaders and how actually they have a very important role to play when it comes to thinking about each subject and how it then fits into EYFS practice. You know, particularly it's quite a, quite a focus, isn't there, or has been particularly quite a focus recently around that idea of subject leaders and the importance of that and thinking about EYFS practice in relation to that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's there's lots of conversations about building those and strengthening connections across schools so that it's seen as a whole school community, not just an early years team, a key stage one team, a key stage two team, really thinking about that journey much more holistically, but also thinking about it from a leadership perspective 
uh, as well. So yeah, it is very much a topic conversation in lots of schools at the moment. So uh, yeah, very timely. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's start off by talking about EYFS leads. Um, in terms of in terms of the early years leader, I I always think that actually it's a role that, in some ways, isn't. I, I, I don't think we necessarily celebrate it enough for actually how big a role it is within school. In in that, I'll tell you why. I, I, when you think about the number of people that an early years leader is often managing, sometimes that's the equivalent of a kind of managing a small the staff of a small school you know if you're if you're an early years leader and you have got a nursery and and one or two reception classes then you could be easily talking about six or seven or eight members of staff within your team very easily and that's that's a challenge isn't it you know even if you've got the best team ever actually managing and coordinating a staff team like that is a big challenge and takes a lot of skill i think I completely agree. And you think some of those schools are three or four form entry and those teams can be enormous. And also the range of skills and expertise within those teams. Um, So, yeah, it's like a a school within a school very often. And then also you have some early years leaders who also are managing other year groups as well. So they're not just EYFS, it might be managing key stage one. So an increasingly complex role, uh, I think. So, yeah, I think it's often can be undervalued, although many head teachers I, I speak with, they adore their early years leader because they're often, you know, because of their expertise that they bring, but also their passion for their team yeah. uh, and see things very much as a team approach, perhaps more so sometimes than, than in other phases within a school. But uh, yeah, incredibly challenging. Uh, and I think in particular over the last couple of years, with you know children in and out of school and staff in and out of school and so on so building those relationships not only with the children but building relationships of a team have been increasingly challenging uh, and also you may have new uh, new teachers in who've not really had much first-hand experience in the classroom because of the way things have been last couple of years so yeah an incredibly challenging role um, and of course for me what the biggest thing is it's the beginning of the school uh, you know, that's what that leader is doing. They're setting up those children for the rest of their educational journey in that particular school uh, and how, therefore, how crucial it is that we support those early years leaders uh, and, and really, truly appreciate and value them. Yeah, no, absolutely. Definitely. It's funny, actually, it's one of the things that came, came, came out of one of the fairly recent interviews that we did on the podcast. We interviewed uh, James Hitchens, who's the head at uh, Penryn, isn't he? That, and you, I think you've met him before. And um, he was talking all about his earliest team and really, you know, really making sure that, you know, everybody was aware that actually he was, he was very, very complimentary of his team and, and you know, was glowing in, to, in talking about, you know, the, the journey that they'd been on and how they'd really responded to the kind of the, the, the challenging idea of moving things forward and thinking about how they were going to do it and how reflective they were, uh, which was fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. It's actually, it's funny, actually, getting you on the podcast, it's just reminded me, I meant to say to you, that um, I think, I think um, you're the person, I think, who gets probably the most mentions on the podcast Every every time I interview somebody, they say, and uh, and and this all started. They say they say this all started with a conversation 
with Phil. <laughs> like every time I, I talked to uh, Amanda Belbin recently. Oh, yes, yeah, 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 yeah. And so she was on the podcast. We had did an interview with her a week or two ago. And she said, uh, yeah, it all started with a conversation with, with, with Phil. And I, I could, before she said it, I knew it was coming. I knew, I knew that Phil was going to get another mention. And oh, we seem to get mentioned all the time them. on the podcast. Because I find, I find them very inspiring. Uh, and I think what I also I love when you see that great relationship between the head of a school and their early years lead, when that relationship is really strong, you just know something is going to move forward, something's going to develop. Uh, and you, but you also, you know, that sense of value and that you know, kind of getting that beginning right is really is so crucial. And James talks about it so passionately. I, I was I listened into that podcast and he talked about valuing that whole team. Uh, and how every member is absolutely crucial because, of course, every member of your earliest team is interacting with your children and it's making sure that they're as skillful as can be. Uh, and for an early years leader, developing that team uh, and ensuring those interactions are high quality is always their highest priority. Uh, uh, and it's very difficult, I think, sometimes when you go into a leadership position, that idea that suddenly it's not just your class you're having to worry beyond your class. And that's quite a transition, I think, for anybody who, who takes on those early years leadership positions because you can't be there all the time. So it's how do you develop the expertise, the confidence, the competence within your colleagues so that you know the children are having the best possible experience. Uh, and it is quite a moment. I'm sure lots of us have gone from that, from being a class teacher to suddenly having responsibility in a leadership position. It's sometimes you desperately want to get into that room, don't you? Say, well, I want to be in there, I want to teach, but you physically, you can't, you can't be everywhere. So it's how do you kind of help develop everybody and nurture everybody? And that's what you see in those amazing early years uh, leaders. It's how they bring the team along. And I think what's really struck me whenever we're doing early years leadership training of any format is when those leaders have got real clarity vision uh, and how they know what they want it to look like, but also how they've shared that and developed it with the team. So it isn't just theirs, it's kind of shared and owned by everybody, but they live and breathe it. Um, and that when I get that sound starting point, I think that's when you see those real moments of wow. You, you walk in and go, yeah, this place works. Um, and it's fantastic when you see that happening. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it, it takes a, a sort of a special kind of chemistry, doesn't it? It takes a, a special sort of person that sort of really, quite often a very, very strong early years lead who is often kind of calm and caring and very, obviously very kind and gentle, but at the same time, have a bit, a little bit of a kind of a lovely edge to them that they're able to say, actually, this is my area as well. You know, that this is, this is my space and I know exactly what I'm doing here. Because I think sometimes where, where things can go wrong is where within, within schools you get so many voices all coming into early years all kind of chipping into what should or shouldn't be happening, meaning that the earliest lead actually is there trying to fend off everything that's happening around them rather than trying to lead it. Yes, yeah, it does make total sense. And I think early years, it's not kind of exclusive to early years. There's a lot of kind of fashion and fad in education and things and people coming in and saying, oh, you should do it this way, you should do it another way. But I think it takes a certain amount of inner strength 
to kind of say, this is what I believe is right for our children. Uh, but also grounding that in, you know, really brilliant knowledge of child development, uh, but also being very aware of things that are happening nationally, internationally and, and locally as well. But I think also for sometimes an early year, it can feel quite lonely. Um, and I think that's why I always say to any of those leaders that I work with, that opportunity to connect with others doing the same job of you as you is really important. But I would say that whether you be an early years leader or a head of a school, it's talking, having a conversation with someone who does something similar to you is immensely powerful um, and just incredibly reassuring, I think, a lot of the time as well. Um, but it can also spark those ideas. And I think people have really missed that over the last couple of years. And I don't know about yourselves, Andy, but I know whenever I've now been in a room of early years leaders over the last six months or so, it's like that, like you've unleashed this kind of, this group of people who've literally just been desperate for a social interaction, um, but also wanting to talk about things they've been trying uh, and you know what's worked, what's not working, how their teams have been in a really safe place, a safe space to be able to talk. I think that is so important um, because leadership can be lonely. It can be yeah, very lonely um, yeah. with a lot of pressures. And particularly if you're in a school that, you know, is anticipating inspection, for example, and so on, there can be a lot of spotlight on parts of a school. Uh, and so having that support around you from colleagues who do something similar to yourself, I think is invaluable, I think, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, certainly I think that idea of of the, the EYFS leader being very much in control of their own space but at the same time within a school, of course, it's, it's also important that they are then sharing that information of what they do with the wider team as well. That the, the early years as an area of school, whilst it is a different area of school to a certain extent, and quite rightly so, it shouldn't come across as a kind of like an island, you know, <laughs> which does sometimes happen that you end up with this sort of EYFS area that has kind of drifted away from school and become this completely separate space altogether. Because I think when we do that, I think although that might work in some ways for the earlier staff, in the long run, it doesn't work because what often happens is that subject leaders elsewhere within the school lose sight of actually what happens within the early years which of course is important that they each subject leader needs to know actually what happens within the early years not just starting from key stage one onwards and we need to be really clear about actually what does the, what does the start of the journey look like um so uh, yeah i don't know whether that's the sort of thing that you've had conversations yeah with. I, I think that that's a big conversation i think uh, and i I probably I can reflect on my own kind of experiences as early as leads, and sometimes it's quite nice to be that kind of that island, isn't it? Yeah. I think yeah. we like that kind of you know this is how we do it in early years, and maybe sometimes we haven't always helped ourselves in that because the children are in early years for part of their journey in that school, and yes, we want to ensure that what those children are experiencing is developmentally appropriate for them. It's got the best kind of staff supporting them, are really knowledgeable, and that's absolutely crucial. But we don't want to lose sight of that kind of school community and that connectivity. Um, and I think also enriching the learning of others. One of the things that I've really enjoyed over the last few years is those kind of projects that move on to looking at key stage one and how to kind of take aspects of early years practice through and so on. Um, and what you often see is little sparks going on in key stage two teachers. So occasionally when you've got all of the school together and you get a year four teachers like, I really want to try that. 
And I think the more we see the school community as a whole community, the better, particularly thinking about the child and their journey going all the way through. But all, all the time being mindful that we don't try and shoehorn inappropriate practice and, and so on into, into year groups where we know it just doesn't work. It's not the right thing to do. And I think that's why we always need to be alert and guarded to something that's put forward as a solution. You know, we should always yeah, interrogate yeah. carefully. Think, is this right for our youngest children? Just as we look at, is it right for our older children too? Uh, and the more we can build those bridges, I think it, James talks about the cliff face of year one, didn't he, in his podcast? And I thought it was a really good way of thinking about it because quite often that's perhaps how it does feel. And then you'll sometimes hear teachers saying, well, they kind of did that in the year before. Why are we doing this again? So anything that starts to stop that from happening instead when we're enriching the learning experience rather than repeating literally word for words the learning experience, which to me doesn't make sense. I think the other thing that for me I found particularly inspiring is where schools have looked at things like the characteristic effective learning and really thought about how can we develop those going right the way through for our children. It's not in a tokenistic way, so that we're really thinking about the teaching of the characteristics, the modelling of the characteristics, how we're assessing whether our children are achieving them. And that doesn't end in reception. Uh, you know, if we want our children to be creative and thinking critically at five, why don't we want them to be doing it at 11? Uh, and I think lots of schools are asking those sorts of questions. And it's really, really exciting. But I think in terms of what we've recognised is, is sometimes it comes down to our knowledge, doesn't it? So for a subject leader in a primary school who may have only ever taught in key stage two, suddenly to be asked to really think about that learning journey from a child who perhaps joins that school at two in mathematics, for example, that for them is a really new thing to be thinking about and quite challenging, I think. Yeah. And the risk is that they could walk in with size nines and it might not go so successfully, I, I guess, which is what we're always mindful of, isn't it? Uh, and I, I was very lucky a few years ago, we were doing some training uh, with some schools in Oxfordshire for subject leaders. And I had a room full of maths leads uh, and all of them were key stage two and only two people out of 40, I believe, had taught below year three. Uh, and it was quite an interesting conversation. And what it led to actually wasn't a conversation necessarily around curriculum. It was a conversation about learning and how do young children learn? And it really made them reflect on how they looked at their, their children learn. So we talked about things like uh, levels of involvement, for example. That's something they'd never touched on before as a key stage uh, two teacher. And yet we know how children can look like they're very busy but actually they're not very involved in what they're actually doing. And it really sparked lots of those conversations. And for me, that for me, it was such a great day because it was that reminder we're all a learning community. We're all an education community. We shouldn't separate ourselves off. Yes, we will have our specialisms and levels of expertise, but that shouldn't mean we're afraid to talk to our colleagues, you know, and to, and to yeah. get involved. No, absolutely. Yeah. I, th I think what's... What's always something that I, th I think probably early as teachers or early as leaders are always wary of is that that opening out the conversation to the rest of the school feels a bit like a double-edged sword. That I think as early as, and again, thinking back to my own kind of experiences as, as a teacher and as an early as leader, that you kind of, part of you wants to say, I want my own place at the staff meeting. I want to be telling you all about what I do and what we do and what, you know why it's important. I want to make sure that you all know all of these messages. But then at the same time, you also know that there's a bit of a double-edged side to it in that 
in that once you open up that, there'll be some people who don't necessarily agree with the way that you do things, and it will lead to some challenge as well. And it does take some real confidence to be able to then say, well, actually, no, this is why we do it, and to explain it. Because, you know, if you've got, say, as you say, the maths coordinator saying, actually, we want to have, um, we're working across the school now, we're thinking very much about where the journey starts, at the start of reception or the start of nursery, and in terms of the whole school, what we want to do is to have a focus on recording that mathematical work. It takes a very strong early years lead to be able to say, well, actually, that really isn't developmentally appropriate for our children because that's getting in the way of so many of those hands-on opportunities that they need to be having. It's, it's a challenge, isn't it? At the same time, I think every early years lead would, would there be part of all of us that would say, actually, I want to be able to celebrate what I do. I want to be able to tell everybody what maths looks like at this area of school and, and I should be able to do that. Absolutely. And I think it's, yeah, it's, it's, you're right. It is a double-edged sword, definitely. Uh, and I'm sure lots of have had those experiences of saying, well, why am I going to that staff meeting? It's got nothing to do with the age group of children I'm teaching with. And time is so precious, isn't it? But the way I'd always think about, well, actually, it's our school, you know, and it's useful yeah. to hear the things that are being talked about. But I, value, I understand that time is definitely very precious. But I, I think you're right. It comes from two angles, isn't it? It's like the earliest leader's knowledge and confidence. Uh, and sometimes when we're challenged on that, it can be tricky. But I, I mean, I... I think we never ask why enough. You know, why do you want us to do this? Why do you want us that particular evidence? Why do you need this? But also people, sh we shouldn't be afraid when people ask us why um, yeah. and having our own secure knowledge. But I guess what we're trying to help anybody get away from is that idea of going into an early years classroom and to think, oh, I want to see a maths lesson, you know, yeah. which is a kind of, I'm, I'm sure, you know, many of us had those experiences and say, well, I don't really do a maths lesson. I might do a short input, but something else might be happening. But they'll also be doing maths in other areas, the environment, for example. And it's helping, I think, people open those eyes to people, isn't it? So they can go, ah, I can see it all happening here. So that those subject leaders within a school can be passionate advocates of their subject right the way through. Um, yeah. and hopefully get as excited about early years as everybody else. Um, yeah. But also understand what it looks like for those youngest children and what the difference is. And, uh, and, we, sh and we shouldn't shy away from those conversations. I, I think we should embrace them, um, but go in strong with the knowledge behind it. I guess that's the key thing. And knowledge across your team versus an early years leader. It's one of the things that I'm sure, you know, yourself, lots of conversations with schools is strengthening the knowledge of that early years team so they can be proud ambassadors for the educational experiences you're providing. But they can also then talk that up with the rest of your school and say, well, actually, yeah. we're doing this with your children. Come and have a look at the amazing maths that's happening in a role play, for example. And if the early years team don't understand that, then it's really hard to expect our subject leaders to understand it. So yeah. strengthening everybody to me is absolutely key. I, th I think you're right. I think we've got to make sure that when, say, a subject leader is then wanting to see examples of whatever it might be, science within the EYFS or uh, literacy within the EYFS, that they're not coming in and expecting it to be the kind of formal sit-down kind of 20 minute slot necessarily. I mean, it might be, it's absolutely fine that it might well be, but it may also may not be that actually there are 
there are lots of opportunities for, of course, science or for literacy development in all kinds of different areas of your indoor and your outdoor spaces. And that actually, of course, we should be celebrating that learning is hands-on and it is about that interactive experience. Um, and I think sometimes we miss that. I think when, when time is, is so precious and time is so short, people want to kind of timetable things very, very clearly and say, well, it's happening at half past nine. So come then for that, that 15 minutes kind of thing, and then you'll see it. When, a, yes. when actually, of course, it's not as straightforward as that. You really need to spend the morning within your EYFS classroom in order to, to see the real quality of what's happening within that space. I think otherwise we do it a bit of an injustice, I think, don't I, we? I completely agree. Uh, and when we're denying them that opportunity to look at learning holistically, I think that that's always going to be a challenge from a subject leader role is yeah. that we, in, in early years, we see learning much more holistically. We see the relationship between aspects of curriculum and so on and how each supports another. We see the relationship between physical and cognitive development and so forth. Whereas perhaps somebody who's working predominantly maybe in Key Stage 2, who's a subject leader, will be coming in with their subject leader glasses on. Uh, and they may not be able to interpret the landscape that's in front of them and to see all of their subject taking place in lots of different contexts. And I think that's something we always need to be working on ourselves anyway, as, as early years practitioners, is keeping our sense of holistic learning and reminding ourselves, let's keep looking at the whole picture. But it's you're absolutely right. As a, a maths leader or a literacy leader, a science leader, whoever you may be, you're not going to see all the learning taking place in that snapshot of 20 minutes. You need to get a sense of it going on richly. And, and I think... What you're ultimately aiming for, I guess, with it across that school community is that everyone can sing the same song. Everyone can talk about what's happening in the early years passionately because you as the early years leader might not be part of that conversation with another person, perhaps, who, you know, somebody who's visiting, perhaps who's coming to see how good your school is doing at that moment. You might not be able to have the conversation. So you want the other people to be able to do that for you and to really show how that learning begins um so the more people know the same song uh, i think the better really um and having those challenging conversations is part of that i think it really is um and we should never shy away from those but we shouldn't we should you know embrace them in some ways it's good debate i think isn't it yeah and also it, it does stop things being imposed it, it kind of you know sometimes things can be imposed without the conversation i think the conversation is part of that process yeah, it, it certainly feels to um, feels to me like the the Ofsted framework has opened up those conversations. You know that idea of of seeing seeing the, the the learning happening across the school, starting very much from that very beginning of the journey. So what what you know the, those those sorts of typical questions of what's learning like for a child within your school, literally starting from day one when they start, whether that be in reception or whether it be in nursery or whether we're talking about as a two-year-old, wherever that journey starts, what's that journey like? And thinking about it from day one right the way through. I, th I think actually that, although I know it's contentious, I think it's it, it has opened up a conversation that I think is an important conversation for people to be having. Oh, absolutely. I, and I think also, so many schools have done an awful lot of work around curriculum design um, and it's been a mammoth exercise I know for, for many people and then trying to connect it to their early years 
has not always been such an easy or straightforward process. And there's been a lot of kind of shoehorning kind of going on and tenuous connections. But also we know that some people perhaps have looked at the early learning goals as part of that process, despite what it says very clearly in the EYFS. And it, it made me think about, well, why have people done that? Is it because they don't have the knowledge to understand that actually those early learning goals are not a curriculum. Uh, and therefore that, that reminded really that those people need to be part of that conversation about the EUIFS before there's a conversation about curriculum. You know, it's like, yeah, let's look at these things first. What is it we're required to do? So that you don't end up having to undo all of that work. I mean, I've seen documents where clearly people have spent a great deal of time trying to align early learning goals into curriculum. And then absolutely said, you shouldn't be using those early learning goals for a curriculum. And they say, why? And say, well, let's get the statutory document out. And it says it very clearly and how narrow those are. Um, and, and when you talk to the people who don't say, oh, they didn't know. You think, well, actually, why did that happen? Why did that yeah. happen, you know? Um, so I think anything that encourages conversations between across phases has to be a good thing. I think also what we're seeing, and particularly at the moment, because there's a lot of schools are having to move staff around to manage, you know, kind of COVID situation. You've got lots of colleagues who are working out of year group who are going and helping support. So the more you can help enrich their knowledge of how to support the youngest children, that has to be for the better uh, as well. I mean, I, I, I'm passionate about, I think the whole team, anybody who comes into contact with your young children in school should know how young children learn. Uh, which is why I'm always delighted when someone says, oh, we're going to do some training for our, our lunchtime staff, for example. Because if you add up the hours that children spend with lunchtime staff, it's almost a day a week. And yet they very rarely have any training on interactions. So we need to be thinking about all the adults and their connection with the children and really seeing it as a community. Uh, and the whole day's experience for those children, not just, you know, the bit that is the traditional sort of teaching time, I suppose. Yeah, and no, I, I think it can only be a good thing. I, I, like you, I've, I've found certainly over the last six months or so, far more schools asking, uh, inquiring in terms of training, but wanting that training to be not just for their EYFS team, but actually for the wider school team. So that although I'm very much training on the EYFS, there are elements within it where I'm asking questions of other subject leaders within that group, um, other class teachers, you know, what, what does it look like in year one then? You know, if we're talking about this within reception, what does year one practice then look like? Have we got that continuity and that progression from this space into this space? So that transition isn't just a kind of a, a series of dates where we're inviting children in for the afternoon and doing different things, but actually proper transition is about that kind of fluidity to a certain extent and the, the continuity and progression from one age range to the next. Absolutely. It's, it's like it's yeah. not being an event, but being a process. Uh, and, and I think the year one angle from a subject leader perspective is particularly interesting and from a school leadership more, more broadly, because especially what's happened over the last couple of years. And we're seeing, you know, I think it's given, children, uh, given schools that chance to reflect on pedagogy, on curriculum uh, for those year one children. But I think also how school leaders and curriculum leaders can support year one teachers. Uh, I've often felt year one's a bit of a Cinderella year in school. Um, but for me, it's a critical, it's such a critical year, isn't it? Um, which is why I get really excited when, you know, people like James talk about their projects that they've done to develop year one. And particularly, they talk about how an EYFS lead person has taken a real key part in that. 
so that there is that understanding of how children learn. So that's the fundamental message all the way through, isn't it? Because curriculums will come and go. They will change. They will evolve. You know, we've seen countless variations of EYFSs and national curriculums. But actually how young children learn, we kind of know. We continue to grow our understanding of it and the, and the brain, young child's brain. But there are some fundamentals that we can quickly tap into. Uh, and what is really thrilling is to see those schools who are adapting practice to fit with what their children need, how their children are developing, rather than taking something off the peg and saying that will work. Uh, I think there's a real powerful shift and it's school leaders that are driving that. But also you see some really excited curriculum leaders about that as well, which is like, you know, I want to have a go. Let's see how we can do it. Um, and it is making those connections happen across phase, which is great to see, really great to see. Yeah, yeah there's a lot of really exciting work out there, isn't there? And you celebrate it lots on your podcasts, which is great. We certainly do. We certainly do. Um, Phil, thank you so much for joining us for the podcast. Uh, it's been great to chat with you. Um, at some point, I'll see you again face to face. Who knows? One day. Let's hope, Andy. One day. Well, someday we'll meet again, maybe. Yeah. But it's been really great to chat to you. And um, say hello to everybody up there at the centre. I will do. Take care. All the best. Thanks. Bye. And that's just about it for this week. Thank you very much to Phil for joining us on the podcast. And thank you very much to you too for listening as well. Um, now, if you're heading to the Nursery World show um, on Friday and Saturday of this week, then do come along and say hello. Um, I'll be there. Phil will be there. My colleague, our colleague, uh, Nikki Walters will be there with us as well. And um, we're leading different sessions and all kinds of aspects of EYFS practice. And also we've got a stand as well, um, which will be the place to be. Come along and say hello to us. Um, hope to see you there.